0: June Osborne. I thought you'd be taller. I get that a lot. I'm one of the women you traded for Waterford. Sorry I didn't do it sooner.
1: I don't know how you managed it getting us out and all those kids. I was lucky. Women always say that when they've done something extraordinary.
0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Resisting Gilead. I am your host, Gina. Today, we are going to talk about the episode titled, Border. It is um, episode three of season five of The Handmaid's Tale, and today we have John Wambacher with me, um, who is a very fond and longtime member of the Daily DVR Network, and John has joined me on this podcast in the past as well. So, John, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I always love having you on, and you always have some great insights. So um, I'm very excited to have you back again. I'm excited. Yeah, and you know, I think when we spoke last time about this, we were also talking about episode three of season four. So right. you are um, you're kind of you know in your normal position in terms <laughs> of in terms of the of the episode count so what do you think of this season so far just overall
1: um i'm pretty excited about it uh i think overall i i didn't watch a lot of the um trailers leading up to it i think i saw like one and um i think the main thing that uh, i'm nervous about is 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 june gonna go back into gilead or not and like I'm like hoping with all my heart that that isn't what happens because I didn't like pay attention to and I didn't read any spoilers about the season. Like I said, I didn't really look close at the um, trailers, So I'm hoping that she doesn't really go back into Gillian. I don't know if I could take it after so many years of like trying to wish her out. Um, I don't know if I can handle it.
0: Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I really do not want to see her go back in. And I especially do not want to see Luke go in with her, which I'm I'm also very worried about. I think it it would be so much worse if both of them were to go back in. And know, sometimes
1: I feel like we kind of lose the fact that, you know, we've got one kid safe in Canada. So we need to like, make sure we're doing some parenting there at the same time. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, getting Hannah out is a priority, but uh, I, I'm. I sometimes I get worried that things are getting lost in the mix.
0: Yeah, and and I do think also. Um, I don't know. You know, I was very surprised at the end of last season. Not that Fred was murdered, but the way it happened. And I, I think I was also very disturbed by the first episode this season, just her glee and euphoria over the murder. And so I also just worry about a point of no return for June. Um, I think yeah, she's she, yeah
1: she's really kind of unstable. You know, like there's that whole un- unstable aspect of her right now. And I think that's what adds so much tension to all the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like you mentioned, uh in the last podcast the murder face and um Um, uh well i mean we got a we got one killer one at the end of the episode uh but uh it's yeah it's it's kind of disturbing hopefully uh again this show like is crying for uh mental health Uh, yes (laughs) yes it you know
0: it it really is and um you know, I wish they would address that more in the show. Like we see it, everyone knows it, but no one, I mean, Moira kind of points to it. Like I don't trust you right now, Um, you know, at at one point with with June, but I just think there needs to be something much more significant, like something bigger needs to happen or someone needs to step in. or not because it's a work of fiction. I don't know, but I would like to see a little more kind of responsibility over mental health care, especially for, you know, these women coming out of Gilead. It seems like they're, they're getting out and then they're, if they're not going right back in, they're definitely going right back into the battle. Um, Yeah, definitely. So, so, you know, we, start at the top of this episode with the aftermath of seeing Hannah on the big screen and wearing that plum color, which, you know, June is, is really obsessing about. And it's funny because, you know, Luke's like, who cares? And Moira's like, well, it's not pink. So she's not a little girl anymore. And it it seems like June's really the only one that is kind of clued into the fact that this cannot be good, which is interesting and then eventually we find out later through nick that she is going to be attending a school that prepares girls to become wives which seems
1: bizarre at the age of
0: 12.
1: yeah i was gonna say so we know we've got like confirmation i'm always kind of like how old is hannah and so now i know okay she's 12 years old right now so it like really puts um i guess extra infamous infamous emphasis on the fact you know like just how messed up it is right and uh in the stakes and that uh they have a limited amount of time to try to get her out before you know something horrible happens
0: right right before she's basically sold into marriage so to speak not that necessarily a financial transaction takes place but it's you know probably what's awaiting her. And I'm sure June with her interaction that she had with Mrs. Keys last season where she was Mrs. Keys is just so young at that point. It's becomes even I think probably more of a frightening premise for June to think of Hannah going into a situation like that and becoming um, what Esther
1: became. Yes, definitely.
0: What do you think about June's relationship with with Moira this season, and kind of the whole omission that? Oh, yeah, there's this rebel group on on the border. What are your thoughts, kind of, on those two right now?
1: Well, to me, I think Moira's really worried worried about June. I mean, she has she's got enough distance from it from being being there longer, and I mean, she didn't have the all the exact same experiences that, that June had, but I mean, a lot of them. And I just think um, she is worried for the safety um, of everyone. And uh, to me, it was kind of a smart thing uh, that Moira didn't bring up this. I mean, obviously, when it needed to come up, she brought it up. And so to me, uh, it made sense that she was, I don't feel like she was withholding anything from from June that uh, should jeopardize anything in terms of their friendship or being untrue to to June,
0: yeah, I think, you know, it was interesting when they kind of got there. Um, you know, there's this former Martha named Lily, who's one of the ones that it turns out June traded Fred for, um, who honestly looks to be in pretty good shape I, th- I thought all these all the marthas they traded were actually you know being held in that torture prison that june was in but maybe some were just traded out i don't know it, it seemed a little strange but again i'm kind of like wow she's been you know out of gilead for like a hot second and she's <laughs> she's already back at the border so much for mental health again kind of a strange uh place for i think for this character to be in
1: yeah, that was June's first uh, new road trip with uh, Moira so uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, when they showed the scenes of like them driving the car down the windy road and all that that to me like totally harkened back to Fred get Fred um, and Serena getting captured and yes. and then you had like all that spooky music to uh, driving up there and going into the camp. I mean it was there's set a lot of uh, you know created a lot of tension I thought in the in the scenes
0: definitely and i and i think it's also very interesting they get there and it seems like they're still on the canadian in canadian territory because she says you know we're very close to no man's land and that can be a bad thing which you know it's it's interesting because that's where june and the handmaids were when they killed fred and ended up turning out to be a very good thing for june because she basically ended up getting off scot-free um of the murder of fred i mean whether that's a good thing or not for her but it's you know like a weird twist of fate but now it almost makes me wonder if because they committed that murder there is no man's land you know become a more dangerous place because this is where they can take people from gilead um to kill them and there will be no consequences
1: yeah it seems to me like i I have a feeling with the way things have gone um i don't think uh gilead's going to be necessarily as passive as they have been towards um towards that area and even maybe towards canada to a certain degree i mean at a certain point they're going to try to give uh, June, some other kind of comeuppance, and that's what it seems like. Especially when we look at the um, world's worst dinner party, um, wow. and um, the uh, commander McKenzie. Uh, you know that part. You know, it put a put a put a circle a target on June for sure.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about this <laughs> this dinner party. First of all. I, I don't know where they come up with these actors that are just like so they and they also make them look very creepy looking. You know, Fred Waterford as a young man, um, Joseph finds in Shakespeare in Love and the movie Elizabeth, beautiful, so attractive, and he's just so freaking creepy in the hands handmaid's tale. And the same with Mr. Mackenzie. I'm like, ugh, you just look. You look like a weird child molesting pervert. I don't know.
1: He looks like the Wolfman. Oh, that's <laughs> that's kind of interesting. He's kind of like all. He's got that weird beard, and he's kind of got a weird scruffy. Uh, I don't know. I found him kind of look look. He he, he looked like a Wolfman that I'd like to punch.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you, you know who he he also looked like, and it was funny because I did see the pre the trailer to some of this and when i saw that character i thought oh this is that guy that was trying to take over after the bombing that june and serena and nick kind of worked to get arrested because they almost look like the same person it's that same weird kind of scruffy look and maybe that's you know a preferred you know Gilead has their weird uniforms for everything so maybe that's a preferred commander look you know um the beard and whatnot I think it's it's (laughs) it's so interesting how you know Joseph Lawrence commander Lawrence is just kind of talking about the politics of everything and Mackenzie's like oh you're boring the ladies with shop talk And I'm kind of thinking, well, yeah, you don't want Serena knowing too (laughs) much because, you know, she's, she's got ulterior motives, but it does seem to be layered on pretty heavily that, oh, Lawrence needs to remarry and we'll be, you know, we'll be talking about that later. And of course, you know, the two singles at the table are, are. Serena and Lawrence. And it's like, this is a couple that I thought that could be a terrifying power couple. So let's see how (laughs) this plays out. I thought it
1: was funny how much uh, Nick was kind of squirming in his seat in that scene at the table. And I mean, everybody's there's always incredible uh, looks that you get from the show. And uh, between Nick kind of squirming in his seat while they talk about June and looks between uh, Nick and Lawrence um, and Lawrence to a certain degree kind of looks like he's cherishing the whole thing because oh. he kind of loves yeah. all the the juicy because he's like the person who knows everything right um, so it's it's great to see him he's Kind of enjoying himself, to be yes. honest. Yes,
0: yeah, he likes to like poke the bear and put people in uncomfortable situations, and you know doesn't like to be bored. I I also thought Serena was doing a fair bit of squirming in her seat as well, especially when um Commander Mackenzie was was speaking really ill of June and and even Mrs. Mackenzie calling June a the devil of a woman. And and I'm just thinking, you have no idea who you're sitting at the table with <laughs> because a lot of June's behavior has come from the treatment she received in, by Serena's hand um, in a way. And I just thought Serena looked terribly uncomfortable at a couple points too.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah, e- even when they were kind of threatening June that she's a cancer that needs to be cut out, she, Serena didn't look entirely pleased about that or in agreement which I thought was was very interesting but I think one of the more refreshing characters we've seen so far this season we'll see how her role and things continues to play out is Nick's new wife Rose and you know how she's knitting the sweater for Serena she tells Serena that Nick has spoken very highly of her yet I got the feeling from the earlier episode the first episode that that Rose knows a lot about what's going on in the world of Nick and June and Fred and so what is kind of the I think she's still a big question mark and kind of an exciting one. My, my hope is that she is actually also working with kind of Mayday and a resistance effort, but, um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Rose so far?
1: Yeah, no, I think I totally agree with you. I think that's kind of what they were, at least that's the vibe that I took away from, uh, the last episode. And then even here, you know, there's like some understanding of, uh, that Nick has to talk, uh, with Mark up in the gazebo kind of uh, moment. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it'll, like I said, I think it will be really interesting to to see where they go with the character. And it was uh, the fact that uh, she's the high command, one of the high commander's daughters and was Nick using that as a way to uh, garner power or something along those lines. It might be more that they were uh, sympathetic Uh, cohorts, you know, and that it made sense for them to get together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think, and we've brought this up a bit before on the podcast that, you know, it's, it's clear that Rose has a disability. She walks with a cane and I can just never forget the episode at the, the last episode of season three, where we see women with Down syndrome who also don't seem to walk very well or have some type of other physical disability, like being forced into the head with the dogs to meet their demise. And so, you know, we've seen exceptions made for those who are maybe have physical or mental ailments. you know, particularly Mrs. Lawrence, Eleanor, you know, are, were they spared because they were lucky enough to be married to or related to a commander, a high commander?
1: I yeah. Guess. And there was a kind of a weird little, uh I think it was Miss McKenzie said something, uh her reaction to something uh, Nick said about like, maybe it was it was always a pleasure to see Rose or something along that line. And Miss McKenzie said, what a lovely thing to say, but it was kind of said in a way like, nobody would normally say that, right? Like, because like, maybe because of her disability or whatever, but like, it was, it was kind of condescending in a way. That's what I how I took it.
0: Yeah, well, I think he even said, it's always a pleasure to talk to yeah. Rose. And yeah. I think the talking part of it, it's more, you know, Nick didn't just marry her to get a wife because clearly he hadn't said a word to let alone seen the first woman he was kind of forced to marry and the fact that he found some type of enjoyment in conversation with this woman and then they married is um might be taboo like oh he actually cares about what she has to say and isn't that something that is frowned upon in in you know between husbands and wives wives have a role husbands have a role it's not necessarily a it doesn't really seem to be a a, a real partnership in a way
1: yeah that might be a little too progressive for
0: mm. <laughs> yeah yeah very very interesting while we're at this dinner party and still in you know Serena and and um Lawrence are sitting together after the dinner and they have this really interesting exchange where you know he vows to protect serena um which i think is it's hard for me to take him seriously because i don't think he really cares about her at all but you know she's she's really like working her moves and the baby's moving she you know does the very predictable takes his hand puts it on the belly um and I don't know. This whole scene was—I was worried for a minute. I'm like, is—is—is is, is Lawrence falling for this? Because he did, you know. I think he actually is just a good actor, but he's, you know, not just Bradley Whitford, but Lawrence as a, a you know, a person in this world. But um, I don't know. I was a little like worried for a minute. I didn't really know what to make of it. What did you, What did you think of this interaction between these two?
1: Yeah. I think they did a great job on that because I think like you, the first time I watched it, I was like on the edge of my seat, like, Oh my gosh, he's not going to fall for this. Right. Like this, this can't happen. Um, And watching it a a couple more times and, um, and that, I think uh, he, he didn't ever fall for it. I think he's just really good at kind of keep, kind of keeping a straight face on things and, um, I mean, there were some great lines in that part, you know, like um, when they were first sitting down, when uh, uh, Serena says that uh, she always liked liked, uh, uh, his wife, and he said, I wish, uh, I can't say this, I can't say that she felt the same. I mean, (laughs) and, and, you know, and then... uh, and, you know, Serena's just like, yeah, well, you know, uh, women have never been very particularly fond of me. And then he said, I can't imagine why. I mean, he, there's like not a lot of humor in this show, but like Lawrence is like the one, uh, piece of, uh, light in the show that like, it's always great to see him interact. And so this scene had lots of those, uh, little moments and, uh, him, uh, given it to, uh, 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 Waterford is being weak, and his little line yeah. about toxic mas- masculinity, and and just that little thing where he does, yeah. My students loved that term before. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's so good, and he's also, I mean, he's a master manipulator. But I I don't want to say he's just manipulative in the way same way that like Serena might be. He's he's very calculated about what he says and who he chooses to say it to and this kind of reminded me of this time where June was relatively new in the household and she goes in with tea for him at night and is like, "Oh, it must have been a tiring day, blah blah blah." And she really is trying to see if what worked with Fred will work with Lawrence. And Lawrence is like, did this really work on Fred? Like you know, he he just threw it right back at her. And I I almost feel like he was thinking the same thing with Serena, but he didn't say it out loud because you know, he had a, he he had a certain respect for June and her spunkiness and that's why he took her into the household anyway. And I do think that he loved his wife very much. They probably had conversations about, or at least one conversation about Serena at great length at some point in time. And I think they both kind of see Serena for kind of what and who she is that, you know, she can be a very toxic force, though a very smart one. But then i also think lawrence wants to be the smartest guy in the room and well i wouldn't give serena maybe that level of i mean she's good she's no lawrence but they both did come up with some of the pillars of this world they're now living in and and i think i think lawrence realizes she could be dangerous (laughs) in his house
1: and why bother
0: yeah yeah and
1: i think that also like when he's, when she kind of, uh, makes the, um, the move and he outright says, you know, uh, that marrying for power doesn't always work out well, you know, like, I think that's kind of like, he's thinking of himself there, I think to a certain degree too, right? Like this might not be, this would not be necessarily a good idea for him. Cause uh, first of all, you never want to underestimate Serena. Mm. Um, because, like, who knows where that could go. And next thing you know, he could be out of the picture or, or hanging on the wall. So I I, I think he kind of knew uh, it was a very dangerous uh, uh, proposal she was uh, putting forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he also knows from his conversations with Nick that, you know, Serena basically set... Nick and June up together in a way that is just like, you know, rape as an act of her desperation for a child and I think that's probably not anything he had in mind when he created this world. I mean, the ceremony is bad enough, but um, and especially now that he's had to go through the ceremony which he escaped for a long time until Fred and Serena showed up at his door. You know, I think he's I think he's learned some of the things he's done are not the best things to have put in place when I put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, they've done a great job with his character too. Cause like, you don't always really trust him.
0: Like mm. you don't know,
1: like what, he's definitely, you don't know exactly whose side he's on to a certain degree. I mean, obviously he's helped June out on some things, but like, it's not like he's, um, assassinating the other commanders or something he's not going to do that but it's kind of hard to figure out exactly how he sees the the big picture like what the future is you know what i mean
0: well i think the future for him kind of keeps changing as well you know he had a vision for for gilead it hasn't been working out so he's trying to do maybe like a a version 2.0 um that you know june turned him on to when she lived there and with getting the kids out and things like that. And I think he's (laughs) realizing maybe how difficult it is to run a country and and reshape society um, and reshape society because just because the people he knows want this does not mean that everyone else does. And I think it's kind of an ongoing you know, exercise for him to figure out what that vision really is.
1: So one thing that um, I had noticed uh, in your notes that you were, we were talking about like, so, you know, the end, this conversation ends, you know, with them and um, then we have what happens uh, back at the hotel. And before, the last thing they really talk about, you know, is is him saying, you know, like you said, uh, we're going to protect you, Serena, and your child. Um, to me, in the end, like from mul- the multiple watching part of it, when I see that now, I go, okay, I feel like he might have actually already already had an idea that of what the plan that was being put in place. Uh, when they went to the like tribunal or, or whatever mm-hmm. we want to call that because um, it, we had Mackenzie in the tribunal say I and then he changed it to a we about what he wanted where he, where, where he saw Serena's role mm-hmm. so it was kind of one of those things in the end I'm like well maybe all along it wasn't as much that um, I mean I don't think Lawrence was interested at all but that Lawrence already kind of knew where this was going and that he was going to that they were going to protect Serena and the child uh, in her new role but I don't know what was your thoughts about it all
0: I mean it's interesting because I do I I feel like Lawrence had more to do with her being restationed in Canada than You know, Mackenzie did possession it as, you know, kind of his idea. And then he's like, we, which I thought was interesting to kind of, you know, open it up. So it's, it's not just me making this decision. It's all of you. And the term it is where you can be most useful. And that's a term that Lawrence used with June in the past. And so I thought, well, it's, it's useful. Maybe it's useful to Gilead, but I think it's also useful to, lawrence to have serena out of his hair and it's probably also useful to gilead to have her out so she doesn't you know pull a serena try and get too much power she's kind of also riding on the high that even if fred was a was a traitor that he had this big funeral she's looking like um like you know kind of a has some clout because she was able to conceive when she hadn't for so many years that she's kind of proof that gilead's working and i think if she'd stayed in gilead she could have continued to kind of ruffle flat feathers continue to blackmail nick and lawrence into doing things they weren't really excited about and so it's also just like you know you can do good outside of our walls and it'll be better if you're gone, because you might disrupt stuff here in a way that we don't want to have to deal with. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um, what do you think Serena's um, motivations or did she have a motivation of plan for like when she uh, made the moves at the hotel with, with Mark?
0: You know, she's, this is, I mean, I think she's just like a tease that'll do whatever she wants, whatever it takes to try and get what she wants. And I think she knows he's been interested in her for some time. I mean, how deep that interest goes, he's at least attracted to her and she's gorgeous. You know, she, she knows that she's still an attractive woman even you know like six seven months pregnant might be even more attractive to some men but i just thought the little kiss on the cheek it was almost like oh yeah and maybe we can have a It, it seemed like she almost wanted to kind of have a fling with him before she stayed in gilead but that would have been something else she could hold against him too you know, to use to manipulate him. And he's just kind of like, I was proud. He kind of took a step back. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's going to cave like a, you know, a cheap deck of cards. But, um, he, you know, he's like, it is not safe for you, for women in this country. And I, I still think Mark twello lost, um, someone maybe more than one person, very significant to him through this whole, thing and you know he's he's just telling her the bare bones this you know it's not safe for you here and then that kind of barb when she gets on the plane he's like oh i heard we're holding we're holding the plane for you have a change of heart and she just doesn't even respond um which i think was funny and i think he was also kind of grossed out like oh she was just you know trying to get herself you know remarried and yet she's hitting on me and i do think she was hoping that he would fall for that bait and maybe even she would cry rape and get him salvaged in gilead like who knows i just you know serena is very difficult to trust
1: the one thing that um during that part like when they're in the hotel room and like when she says like you know she is home i think that's like when i maybe i should have realized it before or, or that but like, that's when you realize, like, she's a true believer. I mean, mm. to me, like, I, it's hard to get back in the mindset of years ago when she essentially, uh, you know, left the country, you know, and tricked uh, tricked Fred into going across the border um, to now where she seems to be, like, all in. So I think that's kind of a, I mean, what do you think about the fact that, like, She's gone from that that kind of space where she wanted, essentially wanted to leave. And now she's like all gung-ho about, to me, like she's a true believer again in, in the society.
0: Well, you know, I do think a lot of it is the fact that she does want to be a mother. And she did really want to go after Nicole to reclaim her and get her back. and you know i don't know that she you know at that point did she really think she was going to be leaving gilead forever or that he was really going to help her you, you know that mark was yeah really i so ne- yeah. yeah, get nicole back and i think you know now that she's carrying her own child and and back in gilead I, you know and thought she had commander lawrence in the bag um for a new husband I think she was feeling pretty safe and pretty cocky and like you know I am home she I think she had some faith that things were going to be all right and she could reclaim her position be married to a powerful commander have her own baby you know so I I almost think it was more interesting that she was and maybe she thought she could get Tuella to defect too I don't know how she's she's like what do you think of Gilliad, and he's like oh it's exactly what i thought it would be
1: it's been interesting
0: being here i spent so many years studying this country
1: is it different than you expected
0: not particularly no. surface level beauty doing its best to paper over
1: a stunning amount of hypocrisy
0: so i think she's always been a true believer I, I think the only thing that maybe trumps that is, you know, when she's trying to get someone else's baby.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, she might I think there's a power thing girls. there too. Right. Cause I mean, I think that's something she really uh, relishes power and adoration. Mm. Because I think you've seen that those moments, even if we look, think back about like some of the old um, flashbacks, like when she was doing the, uh, lecture circuit kind of thing and all yes. those like she really like kind of glowed with her uh, with it and like she really liked the limelight and really liked uh, having that position of power and essentially once it all happened she didn't really have power anymore right because that was the nature of the beast and creating this totally patriarchal uh, uh, society uh, so she she helped create it and then she lost it all. Yeah. Uh, And then I guess maybe this is this point now she's starting to see like, well, if I'm going to have power, she thought she could have power within Gilead. Um, But to me, like one of the things the men were saying in the in the Hall of Injustice there was, uh, you know, like, you're too smart. You know, we don't want you here. That's why that Mm -hmm. again, like (laughs) uh, Lawrence, like throwing out awesome lines about you know uh what was it about the you know you're an un- un- unusual woman kind of thing um yes kind of, you know like <laughs> we can't handle uh we can't handle that you know i mean like we don't have the infrastructure we don't have the infrastructure for someone like you yeah. So I think that was a, a such an unusual way to put it. And it's like, yeah, you're just too smart, you know, you're too strong. Yeah. So you're you're an unusual woman and, and you don't have the and we don't have the proper infrastructure for unusual women to live within our borders. And yes. to me, that's like you're too strong. We can't handle it. And, or
0: you're too strong. Yeah. And the way we'll handle it is by Killing you and taking your child, type of thing. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. that's, you know, the safest thing for Serena and that baby are to get out of Gilead. Like, even, sure. even they realize how safe it is, unsafe it is, not just for women, but for Serena in particular, because of the type of woman she, she is. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and she's got a lot of crimes under her belt that a lot of people know about, too. So, um, it's just so so Serena of her to feel so smug that, oh, I am home. I'm safe. I'm going to have, you know, Lawrence as my husband. And yeah, lady, not so fast. <laughs> oh.
1: why, don't, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit um, about uh, Aunt Lydia and 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 that part of the story?
0: Yes, um, uh, Aunt Lydia, it's I. I love Anne Dowd as an actress. I think she's phenomenal. I think Aunt Lydia has always been like a an onion. As you peel away the layers, there's always something new there. But this, her scene where she goes in and basically rage slaps Esther, who's in a coma, and then prays at Janine's bedside, where she is just so adamant that she is going to do better, try to turn things around, honestly thought she was doing the right things for this, these girls. It was just, it was pretty heart-wrenching. Like this is a, the most emotional, sincerely emotional, I think we've ever seen Aunt Lydia before.
1: I will, I, I was trying to keep, keep my, my, my girls safe. Surely you understand that. Please do not. P- p- punish her. Please do not punish her to teach me a lesson. Sure. I, 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 I will turn things around. I can turn things around. I will. I, I. I will do things differently. I will do things differently. I promise you. I promise you. please yeah that was pretty much like uh the emmy reel kind of kind of <laughs> moment for her. and it's funny because like you mentioned you know that uh, i did the third uh episode with you last year that was the one in the torture prison thing yes. and that one was also like uh, a huge acting moment for for her and so it's it's interesting that we've got another one that's like oh my gosh but yeah you're right like um Aunt Lydia, you know, she's all stuttering and like she's really praying. I mean, there's like no uh, hint of anything other than pure, uh, pure truth and everything she's praying, you know. and uh, I think it's uh, a huge moment in the character. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if we if we see any signs of it through this season. But you know, I mean, she says, you know, I, I I will do things differently. I promise you. I promise you, please. So I mean, she's she's prayed uh, with all of her heart and soul to uh, to save her, and you know, uh, it looks like it worked, or uh, she got lucky here because uh, Janine's uh, out in the courtyard the next day. So it's that was uh, that was a moment for sure.
0: Yeah, she, she was, she pulled out the stops too. She got Naomi Putnam to bring Angela in to see Janine as well as kind of like, you know, she helped her daughter. Let's, let's see if this will work. But honestly, when we see Janine out in the courtyard, it was really hard to understand what that look on her face was because she, it looked to me like, Loathing and rage, and so I can't wait to see what Janine is like. Hopefully, yeah, yeah,
1: I think that'll be interesting. I hadn't really noticed it the first time, and then I saw your notes on it, so I really paid attention on the other viewings. But you're right; she, it's it's really hard to 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 see say exactly what she's feeling there. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and we'll see what happens with Esther. Um talk about, you know, uh, women that to in Gilead or that Gilead struggles with. Um Esther is another one um inspired by by June but could be far more problematic than Serena ever would be. So we'll we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if she comes out of uh, the coma or not or if she uh is on the wall or who knows what? So yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see what happens with her.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think she's too young and potentially fertile to be on the wall yet. I think they probably would send her to one of those breeding colonies first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also dangerous.
1: There was some cool um I thought when they first went to the uh, hospital scene, there was a really nice long shot of Aunt Lydia. Uh, walking down the hallway, and she's kind of like, you know, she's not great on her feet. And it was just this really neat shot of her uh, going towards the room and peering through the window. And it was like, from a directing standpoint and the cinematography, I really thought that looked uh, really great. Um, I also think uh, Gilead has uh, the largest, uh, most spacious hospital rooms in, in <laughs> all of North America. <laughs>
0: you know um i agree with you on that observation and it's it's not the first time we've seen a hospital room that's so large and bright and airy and you know um having spent some time in hospital rooms over the past few years visiting people who are in the hospital gilead does look like a great place to be hospitalized depending on what you're in for so
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like the cleanest it's like the cleanest rooms in all of gilead for sure like the yeah. like you said the, the cleanest brightest so yeah it's kind of funny and even
0: more you know it's interesting because i think we've only seen we've seen fred in a hospital room before but i think all the rest have been women and i feel like the women had the far superior rooms like i remember fred's room being very green um you know, kind of more that institutional green color that sometimes is on on the on the walls of um, hospitals yeah. Yeah. and the, the women get the nice bright white walls, but you know the, the perks that's the only perk of being a woman in Gilead maybe so. I wanted to go back to. This group at the border, just for a minute, because. There's this revelation that they find out it's not just a group at the border, as Moira believed it to be that's, you know, working to fight. it's It's actually Mayday. And the fact that they find out, well, even if you were trying to do anything against Gilead, technically, you're Mayday because Maydays, for better or for worse, an unorganized, somewhat or unorganized operation. No one really knows who's in charge. There's kind of limited communication between the groups. It's very scattered. No one knows where everyone is. But you know, they say that's why Mayday's working so well. But everyone working with Mayday knows the stakes. Mayday. Mayday. Mayday's in Canada? Mayday's everywhere. Wait, how have you not been caught?
1: There's no, you know, flag or anything. It's outposts, small, like this. Families sometimes, just people. People who are trying to do some good. And they're all along the border? No
0: idea. It's safer that way for everyone. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because of what's happening in uh, Iran right now. So Iran is a theocracy, much like Gilead is they had a revolution in nineteen seventy nine that left led them to this certain this specific, rule that they have now and and since that time um i'll just say my boyfriend's persian he he was born in iran and and came over here when he was about 14 but so i get most of my information from him <laughs> you know he believes that since the revolution first started that around 200 to three hundred thousand people in that country have been executed um and I asked him, I said, well, do they publicly display them after they've been executed or do they just disappear? And he's, oh, they just disappear. And what happened a couple weeks ago is is a young woman, Masa Amini, who's 22 years old. She was supposedly wearing her hijab incorrectly on her head, her head covering, and was arrested by the moral police, which I think, okay, moral police, this is very much the eyes, um, the guardians, for sure. And they arrested her. Um, And she died in custody. They're saying she had a heart attack. That's most likely complete bullshit. And so now the country's protesting. And what's so bizarre about them taking just her into custody is my boyfriend's been back over and around a couple times in the past decade. And he's like, you know, it's really like loosening up over there. Like women don't even fully cover their hair anymore. Like their, their, their head covering is like almost just like on the back of their hair and you can still see a lot of their hair underneath. And so it's not like this woman did something that, the majority of the rest of the female population hasn't been doing there for a while, particularly in Tehran, where she was visiting, I think, when she was seized. A big topic of conversation this week between us has been, do you think this, these protests happening in Iran now over the death of this woman could actually lead to an, a change in government, a revolution, and, and Kayvon's very pessimistic, and he says no, because any, there's no leader of it. And anytime a leader comes forward, they pretty much immediately, once they find out who it is, they pretty much immediately execute the person or have them assassinated. So I just kind of thought it was interesting to take a minute to talk about these protests happening in Iran, kind of comparing them to Gilead, the eyes, and... And May Day because it seems like it's unstructured. Protests over there are unstructured right now. I don't know. Um, I don't know no, if you've I, been following this at all, John, but I, 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 I wanted to bring it up.
1: Sure. No, I have to a degree, um, and I think like one of the things I was reading. And I I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not that up on who's um, in power or not, but I feel like I heard them saying that. Uh, the current leader has been moving it to this, uh, tightening up, yes. right. Of, uh, these moral codes. Right. And that that's kind of like, you're right. It sounds to me like things had kind of over time had loosened up, but they're, he's, they're trying to turn it around, which of course, you know, like, uh, we watch this show through, um, our own eyes, um, uh, of what happens here in the U.S. politically, and how you can look at it through uh, Iran in the same in the same uh, way, and see that there's this uh, shift um, that a certain minority is trying to uh, move the countries uh, to this more conservative uh, viewpoint, right, uh, politically and everything. So. It it matches up. You're right. I think a lot with uh, the war- the kind of the warning signs and how we look at uh, the show uh, to make sure we keep our uh, due diligence and keep fighting for uh, everyone's rights. Right.
0: Right. No. Exactly. And you know, you're you're absolutely right. I think we do see a lot of. <laughs> a lot of people in this country that are highly conservative and want a much more conservative country and that's from everything from uh, abortion rights to banning certain books in schools or just in general um in libraries to all sorts of things and 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 i'll say that there's someone i grew up with that i went to high school with who is a hundred percent for a theocracy in this country in this country and it blows it blows my mind that um not only do I know someone that extreme but I know someone that is relatively intelligent that feels this way um for whatever their reasons are um yeah well that kind of
1: goes and it kind of goes to like again like you can look at the uh the show and see all these people waiting to see serena at the airport and you're like where do these uh nutbags come from you know that are like all wanting to support her and she loves the adoration and the fact that she can uh you know try to uh uh, expand gilead outside of of the country and you know the same you know like there's people that are trying to turn back uh, uh gay rights uh, yes. that you know we took so long to to get in place and so yeah it's it's a warning sign for sure and uh yeah it's just it's just it's it's heart wrenching
0: well and in a way that kind of leads us to the end of the episode where we do see Serena kind of feeling bolstered by this support she had has in Canada. And that was the same support that gave her the confidence to say, I'm going home to bury my husband. Right. Um, to, to Tuello. And so she, she gets something out of that and she's actually been sent back to be kind of an, an unofficial, ambassador to Gilead and and help spread their word and so she has an opportunity to lead and at the same time I think June now sees a bit more how Mayday operates she is aware of an outpost and hopefully she sees an opportunity for herself in that effort maybe in a more organized way to help bring gilead down so we're kind of seeing both of these women at a point where they have opportunities in front of them one to expand gilead the other to help take gilead down and i think it's a it's an issue of will they take them and how will they maneuver that opportunity or not Then, of course June still manages to get in Serena's face, knows exactly where she's gonna be on her route
1: home on that bridge. And that was that was pretty messed up. Yeah. What did you what what did you think was gonna happen? Did you think that maybe she'd kill her?
0: I I wasn't entirely sure at first it was June at the other end of that bridge, and I thought maybe someone would try to blow up that bridge with Serena on it. I didn't think she was going to kill her then. I think that would have been too i don't know i liked the threat more like you know don't ever lay a hand on my daughter again i liked that oh, yeah. element of it versus just killing her like i think
1: yeah
0: i think june knows that i don't want to say well june knows that Tuello has said a scared serena is a dangerous serena and he, she's like well she's always been dangerous but i think it's that same thing she wanted fred to feel she wanted him to feel scared to death being chased through the woods unsure of what was going to happen to him and i think she's into more psychological torture of serena before whatever fate she ends up meeting
1: yeah Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, but I wasn't sure, like, I was like, Oh my gosh, anything could happen right here. I I was like on the edge of my seat (laughs) during that part. And, you know, of course, like uh, they don't show like uh, June coming out of the car. She's like waiting on the side. That's just blocking the, the way. There's another person in the car. So when she like pounds on the window and that it was like, yeah, it made made me jump. And then of course we got to see the murder face which was like (laughs) scary, like uh, as a man, I looked at that face and I'm like, whatever I did, I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
0: yeah, June's murder face. Um, They could do a calendar, honestly. (laughs) june's murder face remember that time that june xyz you know it could be like all 12 months of the year um uh, literally there are at least enough to do that um so um is there anything else in the episode that you want to talk about before we maybe talk about some stuff in this episode that's related to the testaments
1: um let me think not really. I'm really just excited to um, to see the rest of the season and again I I hope uh Lawrence is in uh almost every episode because he adds just that little touch that uh makes uh makes it a little more bearable through the rough spots.
0: I definitely agree. He's he's much He's much needed for, he's much needed in Gilead for uh, comic relief, um, oddly. Uh, Not so much for his great ideas, uh, in my opinion. But so to anyone listening right now, if you have not read Margaret Atwood's sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, which is called The Testaments, and this is a book that Hulu has optioned that they will put into production after next season of the handmaid's tale at some point um after season six um you might want to stop listening right now because we are going to talk about a few things from this episode that we see as kind of signal points into things that are going to happen in the testaments so if you don't want any spoilers stop listening now otherwise john and i are going to keep going um so John, yeah. we've been meaning to talk about this book and, and I apologize that that has not happened yet. I had some family stuff come up last year and, yeah, um, no I still definitely want to talk about the book on a podcast at some point, but something that you called out
1: was. Yeah. Miss that- McKenzie, she does not look healthy, right? She didn't, she, when you looked at her, did you think she looked uh, like she was sick?
0: she does not look healthy and i feel like even and i don't know if the testaments was already out when we saw season three but thinking back to season three when june shows up at their house she did not look well then either i i think she's been sick for a while now well really that's that's probably only for about a year or so considering where the time time jumps came in yeah yeah so no she does not look well and what we know happens in the testaments is that mrs mckenzie is going to die uh from an illness which they kind of insinuate might be cancer so
1: Yeah. yeah so yeah it'll be um yeah it looks it looks like that's to me they that they were kind of starting to set that up just a little bit Um, Just kind of give you some visuals to uh, make it all sense down the road.
0: Well, and I think we could even say when we were talking about Lydia claiming, claiming, declaring that she was going to do everything she can to change and make things better. I think that is even a kernel of what's going to feed Aunt Lydia's storyline,
1: Oh, yeah, to me, too. Yeah. Completely. yeah, To me, that's like a turning point. Like, we'll have to see whether it's you know, whether it pays out um, this season or next season. But, yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, that was like the fact that she so passionately um, was praying, and we get to kind of see that moment. Uh, to me, uh, she said, I'll do things differently you know i promise mm-hmm. you so it's it's i think uh that could be her pivot point that we've yeah. been kind of wondering like so Lydia's history is kind of you're trying to understand exactly how we were going to get there because it was she's a complicated character um yes. and how are we going to get there you know yeah. in two seasons
0: and and i think also well and probably the biggest spoiler that was put out there is is hannah's going to hannah agnes is going to go to school for to be become a wife to train to become a wife and that is a core part of the testaments we we get that character's point of view as she trains um and as she loses her mother mrs mckenzie too and other things that happen in that in that household so it it really is starting to set things up and i even think serena's unofficial officially unofficial position in gilead Mm -hmm. while i thought aunt lydia and and it's still (laughs) serena and Aunt lydia might end up working together which kind of horrifies me in a way because um i think those two have always had their own personal power struggle but um, but it makes sense, too, though,
1: I think, it, it, you know what I mean, like from a global perspective that and so this gets to the idea of like, so this Pearl Girls uh, is when is this idea going to start to be brought up in the show? And I think I think this is going to be where it's going to come from. Right. I, I do,
0: too. And I I thought kind of towards the end of last season that when we saw esther at the red center and janine put in a position where she's not yet back into service um but she's obviously not an aunt that janine potentially but could become one of the first pearl girls and be sent as a missionary to canada uh, in an effort to try and recruit people to come to gilead i think with serena's new position in canada as well that that this is where she and lydia might potentially work together because pearl girls ends up being a transition for women who are not going to become wives but who are going to become ants so um it's i think i think it's all getting set up i think we're going to see a lot more set up into the testaments both this season and and next season because when you think about that book, it, it kind of follows at least Hannah's perspective Yeah, from I think probably this age
1: on. Yeah. And so and, that's the other thing is yeah. like, I really been wanting to know the age because like I'm trying to like do some of the math in my head, like, okay, so how big of a time jump are we going to have and so that's why one of the things why that to me was like i really want to know her age and understand where she's at and, the, and everything so this kind of lined everything up so you know what the stakes are and what the mm-hmm. timeline is
0: yeah and I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out how old nicole is at this point because i think she's got to be at least two at yeah. this point maybe closer to three because um well I want to say that when she saw, when she was at Lawrence's house after she had Nicole, she was saying Hannah's 10, Um, but now she's 12. They're playing with time a smidge, like it it hasn't been, I think, completely honest. So, And I always felt like Nicole was close to a year at that point. So I would say maybe Nicole is closer to three than she is two at this point of Hannah's 12
1: yep yeah yeah. Which, um, yeah so when um the other thing that I looked at this and was like wondering, did you see the outposts like I kind of when they go to the outpost, I'm like constantly looking to like are one of these people um characters in the future characters in the testaments because I'm, I'm looking for those characters now and I'm like, stop. I gotta stop myself from trying to look up their names and like, who is this person? Is this, you know? I keep wanting to find oh, some of those yes. some of those future characters.
0: Well, yeah, and and I also still keep looking for June's mother because I have yeah. a weird feeling she could potentially still be alive that she escaped a con- uh, um a colony, and it was interesting when Moira, they were talking about there's no effing way that Hannah's but going to come going to become a wife and moira says she's she's a quarter holly and she's half you and that was the first time we've heard june's mom mentioned in a while and you know they showed some of those pictures on the board i'm like oh my gosh what if one of them's holly you know but um, but they don't know who all is involved in mayday and so holly could still be involved in mayday somewhere um yeah Very interesting. And anything else from the Testaments that you want to kind of talk about from this episode or previous ones this season so far?
1: I don't think so. I think those are like the big ones that are like the, uh, the milestone points that are going to let us logically get to the Testaments.
0: Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. There's kind of like, to me, no way that, um, They can't start sprinkling some of that in and we we might even see some of Lydia's flashbacks um, from the the creation of Gilead and what position she was in at that point.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because that part of the book is so good.
0: Yeah, it really, really good. and um i'm also happy they're starting to cue this up because i don't know some of like the facebook fan groups i'm in they're like what if people that haven't read the testaments are like what if hannah becomes nick's handmaid or what you know what if hannah becomes lawrence's new wife and i'm just like oh you people are going to be the death of me i'm like no it's not it just read the book find out
1: (laughs) yep Yep. No. So now I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how it fin- finishes up for the season and where we, how are you know, like just the trajectory for the you know next uh, season and a half.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely um, definitely a, a wild ride. That's for sure. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time from your. Sunday afternoon to join me to talk about the show. And um, we will definitely get around to going deep diving on the Testaments at some part, at some point, um, hopefully before the year is out, if you've got the time. And um, yeah, thanks so much for being on today.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, Everyone listening, thank you so much if you decided to stick it out with us until we got to the end of our little spoilery testaments discussion, but um, tune in again next week and don't let the bastards grind you down.